This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Sip. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. I don't know why I always make mine so sing-songy. I'm Jenny. No, I'm Jenny. <laughs> That's what you sound. No, you don't sound like that don't at all. Don't confuse people. Ah, I'm sure they're very confused by, by my beautiful voice. Um, so, hi. hi. Um, I had a lot of stuff that I kept being like, save it for the podcast. Yeah. Save it for the podcast. I and now I can't talk to me about anything. Now I can't fucking remember what <laughs> we're supposed to talk about. Something about your drink? Oh, yeah. Uh, she's gonna, everyone, she's going to talk about her... New York sour. New York sour again. I'm sorry. It's the most delicious no, it's, drink it's that's good. ever happened to me. I couldn't try it today, though. No, I have a little bit of a situation going on, like a cough slash phlegm. Mm-hmm. But again, it's been going on since November. It's just flaring up currently. Yeah. I um, so I ordered one at a restaurant in sure Cleveland. Did. And it came out, and it wasn't, it wasn't right. I mean, it was. It wasn't. No, it was right, except for the the wine is supposed to float on the top of the drink. Wine was not floating. It was mixed in, it was so mixed. it looked like a light pink tropical beverage, yes. which it's not. Yes. Um, it tasted fine, so I drank it. Um, but then the bartender did some research. Which was so great. Like, and so he was so sweet. attentive to your needs. Yeah, yeah, I think he was super jazzed to learn about a new drink. Even I though also like made sure he knew Earth. he didn't do it right. Yeah. But so this fine. is what happens. The bartender comes over and asks me about the drink and asks how it is. And Danelle goes, what'd you say? I said, well, tell him how it's supposed to be made because it's not right. <laughs> Which sometimes I can't, like, here's the thing. Sometimes I'm just going to tell like it is. Sometimes I'm not. But in this situation, I wanted her drink to be made right. And I feel like he really wanted to know. He did. But I didn't realize how aggressive my tone was until after he walked away. And then I was like, oh, I was kind of a bitch. I loved it. But I didn't mean it like that. Right. He but was, he didn't take it like that No. Either. But then he made me the drink again. And mm-hmm. he did it correctly it this time. It was beautiful. And it was beautiful. And it tasted correct. And it was all kinds of delicious. Should we give him a shout out? Maybe? Yeah. No? It, we were at Red. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Which is it was so kind good. of by East 4th if you've been over there and I don't know if you guys have been to red, but they have some real good steaks, donuts, the donuts, the donuts, hot and fresh donut holes mm. <laughs> with some dip, with some dippers. Yeah. Dipping we got sauce. caramel, chocolate and raspberry. So anyway, uh, if you're ever in Cleveland, please check out red. So I found out just recently that the way you've been having a New York sour technically isn't the right way to make oh, a New York sour. Snap. Well, suck it. Okay. So my sister's boyfriend used to be a bartender. Mm-hmm. Are you sure he's not wrong? I don't know. I <laughs> I looked it up and all the ones I saw were the way you said. And But there are recipes out there that are his way, okay, which include egg whites Ew. Ooh, no, to absolutely. make it like creamier. <gasps> oh my God. I feel like that's what they did when we went to that other place. Uh, oh, we Dante. Hap- yes. Because remember how frothy it was? It was. Probably egg whites then. And they're real fancy, so I feel like they would add egg I whites like to it. No. I don't want whites. an egg in my drink. No. And a dumb question. Is it a raw egg? Yes. No. Listen, I can tell you it's not supposed to have a raw egg. The guy who made it for me, a ridge, was not putting any eggs. I watched him make it. Yeah, I, I don't think... Not that I'm saying... His skills are not up to par, Kenny. I just feel like that's it not... It seems like an added... Maybe that's a really fancy place. It's like an added twist to it. 
It seems unnecessary. Yeah. A, I don't want raw egg in my drink. And B. I'm going to say the raw. I'm going to save the raw eggs for my cookie dough. I'm going to eat mm. raw. Yeah. If I'm going to risk salmonella. I'm going to do it for the cookie dough. I'm not doing not it my for drink. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> the second one was gorgeous. It was really mm. pretty. I did it want a sip gorgeous. of it, but I didn't want to drink after you. I know because I have this disease. Although I don't think it's. I think it might be allergies. Because you know how the weather keeps being like warm than cold, warm than cold, warm than cold. So anyway, it's probably that. Here we are. So me and Danelle basically had drinks at lunch and now now we feel a little silly. No, 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 no. We're drinking tea. We're already tipsy, could you say? I'm definitely tipsy. But I also, after my two drinks, well, because I didn't know he was going to give me a free one, I ordered a glass of wine. And then I said, as he was delivering it, your free drink he's like do you still want that glass of wine I'm like we'll just share because I ordered a second one and Jenny gave me this look like I, I'm not sure that that's what I want and I was like actually no you decide Jenny I'm not and I was like give me my drink of wine she's like you know what I'll take my drink of wine <laughs> so I had three drinks at a work lunch today oh life is good it was great mm, great times. not every day is like that but today today was yeah I think also because I don't feel great I was trying to dull the yeah. coughing pain. But the the person we were having lunch with was also great, so I think it was fine. I'm anyway. sorry if I, if you hear my microphone doing weird stuff. I keep trying to, like, it keeps... It's, like, not tight. No, it's, like, slipping down. Yeah. I, okay. Well, what else is going on? So what are we drinking? I'm drinking a peppermint tea. Well, you got me this tea, so uh-huh. you said it's a chamomile? Chamomile. Because you want add... me to actually pass out during the podcast. I, <laughs> I actually ordered the chamomile for myself, and mm. then you didn't respond, so I was just like peppermint so those are the only two things that I drink so I wasn't sure what else to order and then you had responded after I had already ordered it so I was like she's gonna get the chamomile it's fine I any kind of decaf I think would be good Mm. um is chamomile decaf no yes oh Oh, yeah yeah. chamomile is definitely decaf because it's like you're supposed to drink it before you go to bed all right tea snobs over here I know me and Kenny order tea like it's going out of style so and mine's just dripping it's fine I feel like it's the um it's the bag yeah the bags that they use at this tea place are kind of aggressive well because I use loose leaf tea they put it in this bag and then it's like it's they hang it over the side and then it drips everywhere I mean a Lipton tea bag would have been fine agreed but it's fine I mean this is like trendy trendy Uh uh-huh Okay, so I feel like there was something else we were going to talk about, and we said don't talk about it till you said that like five times, dude. I know, I can't remember. Um, should we start? Sure. Okay. Sure thing. Kenny, who should go first? Um, Jenny. Oh, it's probably for the best because I'm gonna forget what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Okay. I am doing the survival story of. Shastagroni. Okay. Sound familiar? No. Great. <laughs> I had to ask Danelle and Kenny earlier this week if we've already done this one because I was like, I'm pretty sure we did this mine already, but we didn't. But I was okay. convinced we had. So I, I get s- it. Side note, we're going to have to start keeping a list because we yeah. can't. We're running out of. It's been a year and now we're just, we're real confused about yeah. what we've done. I mean, we're confused in general, but now we're even more confused. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, Shastagroni. So, just oh so everyone knows, Jenny has nothing in front of her, I and do this not. is all from memory. This is amazing. and she's also three drinks in. So, three get, drinks and a chamomile tea. Get ready for <laughs> that mixture. Woo! Okay, that was probably loud. I apologize to anyone. I hurt your ears. Okay, uh, Shasta Groni 
in 2005. So we're taking it back to the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird that people call it that? I didn't know that they did. They do. Oh. The early aughts. I don't get it. Why? I don't know. Anywho, um, she was eight years old. Okay. And she had uh, two brothers. One of them was nine. One of them Shasta. was Shasta. Shasta. What an interesting name. I know. Hmm. Every time I... It reminds me of like a... Um, Carbonated beverage. Yeah, it does. For some reason. Is there a Shasta carbonated beverage? Well, there's... No, I don't think so. Something just beeped at us. We don't know what it is. Everybody's looking around. Okay. Um, Yes, Shasta Groni. Okay. Uh, She has two brothers. Uh, This is going to be bad. I did not write any of this down. It's okay. Tyler. I'm not judging you. Is her nine-year-old brother. And Slade is her 13-year-old brother. She is currently living with her mom and her stepdad. I've also read other accounts that it was mom and boyfriend. I don't really care. It doesn't matter to the story. Okay. So they had there was a weekend barbecue on a Sunday. They all went. It was super fun. They all go to bed. And then the kids had to go to school the next day. Wait, how old is she? She's eight. Eight. Okay. So there's eight Shasta, nine. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Tyler? I meant Dylan. Dylan? God damn it. So Shasta's Shasta, eight. Shasta's eight. Dylan's nine. Slade is 13. Okay. Okay. So um, they go to this barbecue. Then the next day the kids have to go to school. So they get in bed as usual. And in the morning, the very early morning, Shasta is woken up by her mother mm. calling her name. Okay. Which is a little weird. I don't think that's usually how she wakes her up for school. Mm-hmm. Plus it was like dawn. Which is a little early, I think, for an eight-year-old to go to school. When Shasta comes out, her mom tells her, there's a man here and he doesn't want us to be here. And there was a man in the house dressed in all black. He had, um, I think he had a shotgun on him. And uh, he basically, he told uh, Shasta's mom and stepdad that he was there to rob them. And they were like, okay, we don't have any money. So, so good luck. Good luck with that. Uh, so at that point, he starts tying up the parents. Mm. So he has zip ties with him. He zip ties Shasta's mom, zip ties the stepdad, zip ties the 13-year-old's hands. He then takes the 8-year-old Shasta and 9-year-old Dylan outside. He there outside on the lawn, zip ties both of them, and duct tapes their mouth. That's pretty out in the open, right? I mean... Yes. However, it's dawn. Like, no one's outside right okay. now. Okay. He then gets a hammer out of his truck. Mm. He goes in back into the house mm. where he bludgeons all three of the people inside to death. Oh, God. So mom, Jesus, stepdad, and 13-year-old. Now, the 13-year-old is disheartening because he was bludgeoned but he didn't die right away so he wandered around the house oh god bleeding all over everything and probably confused and yes i'm sure in like a he ended up going outside this is where shasta actually saw him she saw her 13 year old brother with blood dripping down his head Mm. And then she saw this attacker come and hit him multiple more times. 
he then sat down at a picnic table and as this man put the kids the eight and the nine-year-old into his car she saw her brother lay down on the picnic table terrifying so sad so now this guy is driving away with these two kids a neighbor upon waking in the morning again we love nosy neighbors Mm -hmm. walks by sees what he thinks is blood on the outside of the grony house okay and he's like that doesn't seem normal so he calls the police and says i'm pretty sure there's blood stains on this door you need to come check it out police come they open the door and inside they find three bodies all with their hands bound behind their back all three of them bludgeoned to death so Slade the 13 year old who had laid down on the picnic table had eventually gone back inside to die next to his mom oh god yeah the worst um they're confused though because they know there's two more kids Mm -hmm. and they see blood in the other kids room in fact, they see blood in every room of the house. So they're really confused. They don't realize that Slade, the 13-year-old, had been alive and wandering the house right, with blood. Right. Um, so they're just, they, they think the worst. They're like, okay, who would do this? It seems really personal. It also seems like um, the kids, that we're not sure if someone took them, or if they saw or heard something and ran. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're just out in the woods hiding. So there's this whole like hullabaloo. Like where are these these children? Because they're, I mean, eight and nine. That's yeah. young. They have no idea what's going on. Right. So their first um, action is they go out. There's woods kind of behind the house. So they start searching the woods and, and calling for the kids in the hopes that maybe they're just hiding in the woods because they're afraid because someone just murdered their family um to no avail they don't find anything um there's a couple different leads that the police take on this to try and find the kids um the first is they're trying to decide if there's some sort of um family issue because again they they, they're thinking it has to be personal like this is a very personal crime so they immediately look at the biological father because there had been some tension between um, the mom and the biological dad about custody and all that sort of thing. Her normal shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. Um, after a divorce. It, I mean, it happens. Um, but he had an alibi. Um, he was home, but he was home alone. But there was a reason that they, I think he like downloaded something or there was like something on his computer that showed that he was home. Okay. The dad, the biological dad. Um, so he gets ruled out, but he did, before he got ruled out, he did fail a polygraph test about where his youngest kids were. Hmm. And so they were like real suspicious, but once he could prove that he was at his house, which was not nearby, they were like, okay. So then they're like, they did, um, talk screenings on the mom and the stepdad. Mm -hmm. Mom and stepdad did have alcohol and meth in their systems oh so then they were like okay maybe it's a drug thing drug thing gone bad or whatever right so they they start looking into like where they would be getting drugs from or whatever and then they find um they (laughs) this sounds ridiculous to me i don't mean to laugh but they think it might be a biker gang 
Why? I don't know. <laughs> so this is in Idaho. I'm like, are biker gangs like real big into the drug scene in Idaho? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Don't know. They're like meth, drugs, biker gang. Yes. Great. So, anywho. Um, so they start like seriously looking at biker gangs and they can't figure out. They're like, but why would a biker gang that has a beef about drugs or money why would they take the two youngest kids? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they'd come up with these theories. It's gotta be the dad. They'd come up with these theories, and then they'd be like, but why the youngest kids? And the dad, though, is the father of all of the kids that were in the household. Okay, so that doesn't So it's make like, sense. why would the dad kill the oldest one but and take the youngest? But sometimes you watch those, like, you watch, like, a forensic files or something, and... They always have a favorite or they pick on, meaning they, like, one parent, if they're abusive or whatever, will pick on one child. Right. So maybe the two younger were his favorite. That's just my guess as you're telling the story, but. Sorry, I'm just looking to make sure I know the. Okay. Sorry, I'm looking at my phone. All right. Uh, yes, but this father seemed to be pretty distraught about the whole thing, like, didn't know where his kids were. So at this point, everything goes into like high Amber Alert status. So there's huge billboards all over the area with Shasta and Dylan. Um, their faces are plastered on it and it's mm. asking for calls. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes more regional and then it becomes national because they aren't sure where these kids have gone. They're missing um, in the first two weeks. Like no one is sure of where they went. Then it turns into like two months. Yeah, so it's it like getting that current case with the mom in Hawaii. Have you heard oh about God. that? Yes, insanity. Yeah. Okay, so two months they're still missing. Yes. Um. So, but what, sorry to interrupt you again. Mm-hmm. The dad has an alibi, but just because he downloaded something doesn't mean he downloaded it, right? Like, I guess I don't know. Somehow it's it's enough to keep police. Okay. Somehow it proves that yeah. he was home. Okay. Um. And they decide they need to start looking elsewhere. So um, the other thing that's interesting is I'm going to call Mr. and Mrs. Grony because I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what their first names are. Debbie and something. Um, the parents of the children. So like biological dad and mom mm-hmm. who are now divorced. They also had two older sons. Okay. Who were like in their late teens, early 20s. Okay. And so then they were like, and they're kind of bad kids who have been like involved in like the law, so the maybe drugs, it was something the, they got into that pulled in. Right. Okay. So they they had to look at both of the oldest sons, and the oldest sons. One of them was in jail at the time, mm-hmm. so Abby no. The other one had some sort of alibi, so it couldn't be him either. So they're just like at a loss because anyone close to them or anything that would be like money or drug related is not adding up. So um, what actually happened is. There was a guy named Joseph Duncan mm-hmm. who had, um, he was a level three pedophile. Ew. Okay. Which means like the worst kind. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the deets of it because yeah. I don't want to know. But um, he had been incarcerated multiple times for like sex offenses against and minors. And he was out. And he was out. Hmm. And <clears throat> he had been <clears throat> arrested uh, for another offense in Idaho and he decided he's like 
all right, I'm going to go to jail. It's probably going to be for the rest of my life because I'm a level three sex offender and I just did X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to live out my biggest fantasy. <gasps> so he drives to, he's driving around looking. He basically is like, I'm going to go out with a bang. Like he's just going to live out his biggest fantasy, get arrested. So it's super random. Yes. Oh my God. He drove past their house. He saw Shasta in the yard playing. Oh. And he immediately said, that's who I'm taking. Oh, shit. And here's the thing about him is that he didn't, it didn't seem like he had a preference um, boys or girls, mm-hmm. which is why he took both. Oh, God. Shasta and Dylan. So he took both of them because he didn't have a preference. He just liked to sexually molest kids because he's an awful human being and evil. Yeah. Um, so he's the one who broke in. He's the one who killed the parents. Um, because his whole thing was, I'm going to teach society a lesson. What lesson? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not teaching anybody anything. You're a terrible person. So he's he's the one who took them. He drove them, I think, over 100 miles into Montana, into, like, very desolate woods to a campground. And that's where they lived for two months, on a campground. He obviously did, did bad things, things to, to the yeah. kids. But he took a lot of his anger and rage out on Dylan. Because Dylan, I don't know if he had something really against little boys or maybe he had a tough childhood or what it was. Mm-hmm. But he was just or maybe very, Dylan like pushed back. It wasn't. He was very know. evil to him. And that's how Shasta explained it. Mm. Um, she, even though she was younger, she was eight and he was nine. She said she kind of had to take the big sister role because he, uh, Dylan was kind of losing hope because he was being so abused oh, every day. God. Um, so she kept being like, we're strong. We're going to make it through this. We're going to make it out alive. Like, everything's going to be fine. Can you imagine an eight-year-old having no. to do that? No. The thing about Shasta is I think, have you ever heard about EQ? No. So it's your emotional intelligence. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think she had a very high EQ. Like she could read what this Joseph Duncan kind of needed mm-hmm. in his messed up, fucked up mind. And so she kind of played to that to try and get him to not be as awful Got it. as he actually was. Um, but after two months, she was farther away and she heard a gunshot. And she came out of wherever she was, and she looked, and her brother had been shot in the stomach. And he was begging, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. And then uh, Joseph shot him in the head. In front of her. In front of Shasta. So Shasta then said, like, well, she said she didn't react at all because she didn't know what to do. She couldn't scream. She couldn't cry. She couldn't do anything. She was just so shocked that that had happened. So then um, Joseph Duncan said to her, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. And she's like, yeah, you uh, did. <laughs> well, she, and she's like, I didn't see the first shot, so I have no idea what prompted that. And then he explained that he shot him in the head with a second shot so that he wouldn't have to suffer or be in pain. Or take him to the hospital. Yeah, that would ruin the whole thing. Right. So... Um, now he's dead. So basically, this guy has killed her entire family, except for and her. she's seen two of them. Mm-hmm. 
she then says, or then he says to her a, a few days later, he gets all worked up again, Joseph Duncan. He gets all worked up and he says, how do you want to die? I'll let you choose. You can either let me strangle you or I can shoot you like your brother. He said, shooting you will be less painful and it'll be over quicker. But Shasta said, I figured if, if he strangled me, at least I would have time to like try and talk him out of it. Yeah. Very smart for an eight-year-old. Eight. Eight. Sorry, I just realized my phone is not on mute. So he gets a rope. He ties it around her neck. And he starts to pull tight. She starts to black out. She then says, please don't do this, Jet. Jet is his nickname. And anytime she uses that name, he softens. And she noticed that again emotional Uh IQ very high so he doesn't quite hear her because she's gasping for air when she says it so he releases the rope a little bit and he says what did you say and she says please don't do this jet and he starts crying which I'm gonna be honest with you grown men crying to a child is like a little much yeah like you're super fucked up to begin with and like, you just tried to kill me, now you're crying. It's mm-hmm. a little much. Um, somehow I'm comforting you. Right, asshole. I'm eight, and I'm comforting you, you weirdo. So then um, he undoes. He undoes. <laughs> he undoes the rope. He lets her, you know, breathe. And he says, I really want to take you to meet someone. And she's like, okay. Oh, God, please, no. And he says, I want you to meet my mom. No. Or yes. Maybe she'll help her. But still. Yeah. What the fuck? Weird. That's creepy as fuck. So Shasta's like, yes, I would love to meet your mom. Because again, she's eight, but she's fucking playing along. Mm -hmm. So they leave. They go. uh, They're in the car. They stop at a gas station where they get out. And there's actually video of him and Shasta walking around the convenience store of the gas station. And it's so creepy. Because it was like, it's been two months. Where is this at Montana? Uh, they are. They drove actually back to Idaho because that's where his mother lived. They drive all the way back to where Shasta is from, oh. because I think his mom lives somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Well, after the gas station where there's video of them walking around, they then stop at a Denny's because Shasta wants to get a milkshake. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they go in, and her body language with him is very. Um, the word I'm looking for she's uh submissive she is sitting there her head is down her hands are in her lap she will not make eye contact with anyone so the waitress comes over and she sees the body language which is suspicious Mm -hmm. and then she says I think I recognize that girl I've seen the missing billboards Mm -hmm. it's probably everywhere in that small little town yeah exactly so she, the waitress plays it off. She acts real normal. She, she takes their order and then she goes back to the back and tells her manager, I am almost 100% sure that that's the little girl Shasta that's been missing. You need to call the police immediately. And this is my favorite in the little like documentary I was watching. She's like, I was sure that my boss wasn't 100% sure. And I said, I will, if I'm wrong, I'll pay for their meals out of my tips. <laughs> That's like, how sure she was. That's how sure she was. Which I'm like, for a Denny's, yeah, that sounds pretty sure. So um, 
there's a nine. That's great because you got to speak up. Like yeah. if you see something, say something. See something, say something. There's a nine one one call that you can hear, and the boss of this Denny's is like, "Hi, I think we might have that missing girl Shasta in our restaurant." And then they're like, "Is she still there?" And she's like, "Yeah." Hey, I'm not sure if it's her, so I don't know. And like, she's very like doubtful. Yeah. But thankfully, the 911 operator was like, all right, we're going to send someone over just to make sure. So they send someone over. The police officer comes in. He walks up to the table. And Shasta is like, holy shit. Like, and she's yes. thinking in her head, she's a little kid. She thinks that this Joseph Duncan is super smart and that he's going to get out of this somehow. Yeah. And she's going to pay for it. Right. So she's like, shit. Um, the police officer looks at her and he says, what's your name? And she doesn't say anything. She looks at Joseph Duncan. And at that point, Joseph Duncan says, you can tell him. Like, gave her the permission to, like, give her real name. So she said, I'm Shasta. At that point, he tells Joseph Duncan, get up. He handcuffs him. He takes him out of the restaurant. The waitress is told to go sit with Shasta. So the waitress is now, like, the counselor suddenly. Yeah. Right. So she sits with her, and she's just like, how are you? Like, you're going to be okay. Everything's okay. Where's Dylan, honey? And she said, mm. he's in heaven with mommy. Oh, yeah. Like her whole family is gone. Yeah. Of course. The good news is her father, her biological father is mm-hmm. still alive. So um, she actually uh, gets reunited with him. So they take her to the hospital. She gets all checked out. Um, her biological father comes and like, you know, comforts her and talks to her and, um, Joseph Duncan, he is put on trial. It turns out that he had killed, I think, two or three other little kids oh my God. before this incident. So he didn't. He wasn't just a molester. He had also murdered before. Um, and at the end of his trial, he asked Shasta, he said, promise me one thing. And I was like, uh-uh. Don't. And he says, shit. I want you to come see me someday before I die. No, fuck you. So he's, uh, I think he got the death penalty, so he will be executed on a certain day or date. Um, And in the, I think it was Daily Mail that I was watching where Shasta was having this interview, and she kind of said, I think I do want to talk to him one last time and just tell him, like, what he did. But I, and, you know, she did the whole thing. I, you know, and I forgive him and I'm like, I don't know how you could. Mm -hmm. That sounds terrible. Um, It seems Shasta has had a little bit of a, a rough life since then. She, when she was a teenager, she had, she went through, you know, I can imagine the same sort of things we go through as teens, but with a very troubled past. So right. With traumatized, everything (laughs) magnified. Right. Um, the interview I saw was when she was 18, and she was actually pregnant with her first, what? Oh, okay. Pregnant with her first uh, child at 18. Um, it looks like when she was about 21, there were some issues of child endangerment and, like, drug use on her behalf. And I don't, I mean, that's very sad and unfortunate, but I get her going to drugs and right. finding Right, wanting a, to escape yeah. to some degree. So... Um, I hope she's doing well now. I didn't read anything as of late. I think that all happened in 2017 with like her being 
uh, on parole for for child endangerment and things like that. But I hope she doesn't give him that closure. And uh, listen, I think it's amazing if you can forgive someone that does that to you. Sure. And I've never been through that, so I can't say whether I would or wouldn't. But I feel like that's closure for him that he's looking for. Mm-hmm. But maybe she needs it for herself. So, but on I, the outside looking in, I would, you know. Yeah, I feel like whatever makes her feel like she's yes. getting what she of needs course. out of this is fine. Um, I do know also. As long also, as it's not just for him. Yeah. No, and her uh, her biological father also passed away recently, which has also led to a lot of heartache for her because now a lot of her family is now gone, and a lot of that was because of this man. So um, I really hope that she um, can continue to, to live her life and then hopefully thrive through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's insane that someone could be this evil. And the fact that, like, she could read him at the age of eight. Yeah. Well, and it's also when you're that young and then you grow, you know, then you get to your junior high years and your high school years, you're already making so many dumb mistakes. And again, uh-huh. to add that layer of what she's been through on top of it, right? for her not to get into drugs or anything would be, I think, unfathomable. But I think she'll hopefully get out of it and realize yeah. that there's light at the end of the tunnel and yeah. this piece of shit. But, and why was he not in jail? Right. Like that's it's like that's the bigger he question. He should have been too. in jail. He was out, I think, on bond, and that's how he made the run so that he could live this one last fantasy, which is wow. why we need to take sexual abuse more seriously yeah. in this country. Like whether it be rape of women, children, other men, it's it's a it's a gateway crime yeah. to, to things that are more awful. Yeah. So Wow. So anyway, so Shasta is still alive. She's doing her thing. I hope she's doing better than she was back in eighteen seventeen, I think two thousand seventeen. So um yeah. Oh, but wow. she survived. Her whole family didn't, and she, there she is. So That's crazy. Sorry, that was like a downer. Well mine's kind of a downer too. Oh shit. I know. We're but, like we're like Debbie Downers today. Ugh, this one is I thought we did this one, but I confirmed <laughs> with you and Kenny that we didn't. So here okay, we go. Okay. So mine is a survival story of the smiley face killer. I've heard of the smiley face it's killer, but I don't remember. for I mean, sure. It's I'll an oldie but goodie. I wonder if my favorite murder covered it as well. I think they did, or like one of the other crime podcasts. Maybe yeah. That's what I listened to. Um, so the survivor of this is Brenda K. Robinson. Okay, and she goes by K. Great. And we're gonna start in 1995, and K was a single mom. She was living with her 11 year old son in a small town in Delaware. Mm-hmm. I picture kind of like where I grew up, like you know. Just a lot of rural. farmers, rural, rural, a couple bars, not much <laughs> going on, a couple stoplights. Love it. Um, so it's a small farm town, and um, she lived in a small trailer park community, and at 2 a.m., someone was banging on her front door. That's not normal. Not good. So woke her up, and the the man on her, banging on her door, she opened up the window and was like, what do you want? Like, she did all the right things. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I, I need to use your phone. My car's broke down. Or he had some, like, lame-ass excuse. She said, no, get out of here. Like, go away. Smart. And she called 911. So, again, did all the right things. Yes. And police did respond. They showed up, and they checked everything out. They stayed a little bit, and nothing out of the ordinary happened, or everything looked fine, so they left. Well, 30 minutes later, she, you know, well, she went back to bed after that, and she's 
finally falling asleep and 30 minutes pass and she heard a noise in the kitchen and she went to investigate and found that the same man that was knocking at her door 30 minutes earlier was now holding a butcher knife and standing in her kitchen no 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 yeah so she said they initially made eye contact and she immediately started running and that whole thought of just like looking at someone in the eyes and then taking off and he started chasing her Mm-mm. through her house mm-hmm. is just so terrifying to me yes um and remember her 11 year old son is also sleeping in the bedroom right. right next to the kitchen oh god so um he eventually caught up to her and took her in her bedroom and he sexually assaulted her and tortured her for more than three hours. Three hours? Mm-hmm. He stabbed her more than 30 times. He also left the light on in the bedroom as he was doing this. So Mm-mm. she did something that is so incredible where she paid attention to like the things he was, she said he was a talker. Like he would, he was talking about how he lived in the trailer park and she paid attention to like how long his fingernails were and like just all the nitty gritty details she could remember. She also remembered what he touched and what he didn't touch in the bedroom. Mm. And she noticed he was very like, uh, mind you, she'd been stabbed 30 times and she's still like paying attention to all these details And she noticed, for example, he had picked up a glass, you know, took a swig, wiped his fingerprints off, but grabbed it again and set it down. And she was like, that's the one thing he's touched that did not, that has his fingerprints that he did not like wipe clean. Yes. So, um, as she's in and out of consciousness, her, the man leaves, he thinks he left her for dead at this point. Mm -hmm. And her son, he also checks in on her son before, before he leaves, like he peeps into his room and her son pretends like he's sleeping. Okay. But he's not. Mm-hmm. So he also gets a good look at the guy's face. Um, so he leaves. Immediately, her son wakes up and runs to the neighbors and calls 911. When the police arrive, they said the scene was so gruesome. It was something like they had un- that, like they had never seen before. Her neck was cut so deep, he almost um, decapitated her head. Oh, my God. How is she alive? I, they don't. In fact, the doctors <coughs> had said... <coughs> Sorry. The doctors had said that they could not believe it was a miracle that she was still alive because she had so many stab wounds. The stab wounds were so deep. And again, her head was almost cut off. Um, The weird thing, too, that the police, when they found her, she was laying on her stomach in her bedroom naked. And they noticed that. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Get it out, girl. (coughs) They noticed that. he had drawn a smiley face on her back in her own blood. Ew. Yeah. So if someone's doing something like this, it's a serial killer type of shit. Like mm-hmm. they're very, they're taunting. He's taunting the police. He thinks it's a game. He's clearly not afraid to get caught because he left the lights on. He talked to her the whole time. He also thought he killed her. So he was giving her details about where he lived and that he lived in the area. Um, but again, police were very concerned because this guy was very, um, not only aggressive, but cocky. Um, she did survive, although doctors did not think she would survive. And she was pissed. She survived oh. because she was in so much pain. I mean, she was in the hospital for a very long time recovering. Um, da, 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 da. I'm kind of jumping around here. So let's see. Oh, so after she gets a little better, the police interview her and she gives them great detail of what he looked like. Mm-hmm. So they come up with a composite sketch, and they release it to the public, but they did not release to the public the fact that he drew a smiley face on her back. 
So that's something they were like keeping in their back pocket. So, um, so two weeks after the attack, um, police were called again to her, to her house and a strange man showed up. He lit a candle, got down on his knees and prayed is the first weird thing this guy did in her Um, house and uh, like on her front steps. Oh, like leading into her house. The neighbor actually called the police and was like, there is some weird man outside Kay's house. He's lighting candles, praying, just super creepy, whatever. Um, he also had a newspaper article taped to his, like, I'm guessing like the side of his truck window and also the composite sketch taped to the side of his truck window. Mm -hmm. So like as he's driving around, like, so he's like, advertising this guy so people I don't know whatever super weird and um this was Doug Desleva Desleva he's 38 years old um and he looked just like the composite sketch oh god like identical so a little bit about Doug is he lived 100 miles away but his kids and his ex-wife lived in um that trailer park oh um, a few years prior he was suspected of killing a 16 year old girl 16 year old girl but he was never convicted and um, so police brought him in for questioning. And when they finished his questioning, he asked, he did something very strange, and he asked them for a job application because he wanted to apply to become a state trooper. <laughs> Have you ever heard that, though? Like a lot of like serial killers yes. want to be police officers? But not after they interrogate you. Maybe he was just like, this was a really great experience. He's so... like, I want to do this again to somebody else. <laughs> but to someone else. Like, right. I want to be the questioner. So they're like, sure, you can have an application. So he fills it out. Strange. And then <clears throat> it, one of the, like, the summary sections or whatever, he you have to write like, a little bit about yourself. He puts a smiley face mm. at the end of the paragraph. Mm-hmm. And again, they had not told anybody about that. So they were kind of like, they thought 100% this was their guy. Um, they brought him in for a lineup. They brought Kay in and her son in, and quickly they identified him, and they were like, this is the guy. So they lifted the – they took DNA from the scene from Kay because she was raped, and they also had multiple fingerprints as well. Mm -hmm. And when they tested Doug's DNA, it did not match. What? Exactly. So the – investigators were so perplexed they were so upset because they thought this was our guy I'm so upset even when they were interviewing him he did not deny one time that he didn't do it like he's just a very strange bird they thought for sure this was the guy um but they could not convict him or arrest him because they had nothing to tie him to it like his fingerprints didn't match his dna didn't match but still Kay was convinced that this was the guy oh my god um so nine years pass Nine? Nine years That's too many years. With no solid leads. In fact, they said as time went on, the colder the case got. And imagine being Kay. Like, you have to go on with your life knowing that this creep... Well, in her mind, this is the guy still. Like, she's no question, like, this is him. Mm -hmm. So in her mind, she even at one point showed up at his house with a gun. Okay. And was going to kill him. Mm. But she said the only reason why she didn't is because of her son. She said, if Smart. she's like, if I would have killed him, then my son would have n- nobody. Right. So she didn't do it. But so nine years later, detectives re- from the town that Kay lives in received a call from other detectives from a town 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. And they had a case very similar to Kay's case. And it was a single mom in a mobile home. Um, this guy tied her up, sexually assaulted her. Um, her son lived in the house with her. Um, he didn't kill her, but the minute she mentioned her son, he like 
asked her for forgiveness and like ran out of the house or whatever. Um, he did leave his DNA everywhere and his fingerprints. He didn't try to like clean it up or anything. So when they ran his DNA and fingerprints, it led to this guy named Mark Eskridge. And um, when they looked at the composite, Mark looked exactly like Doug's. The, the Mark and Doug looked very similar oh. in, in like look and whatever. Um, oh. Still at this point, Kay did not think Eskridge, Mark, was the guy. She was still convinced that it was this Doug guy. Um, but once they ran the DNA from Mark, it matched Kay's, from Kay's oh. case. So it was the guy. Um, so a little bit about Mark. He was married and lived in the same trailer park as Kay did back oh. nine years earlier. And then he also lived in the trailer park of the new woman that he attacked. He had a young son. And, um, and he was married. And he was married. They did do a lineup after the fact, and Kay could not identify him in the lineup. So um, they think that his whole ploy was to knock on the door to see, like, remember how he was, like, knocking on the door and asked Kay, you know, his car is broken down, if he can use her phone. They think that he did that to see if there are any men in the household. Mm. And, you know, if, if she just answered or, you know, there's no one here to help you fix your car, that to him was a clue that there was no guys in the household, then he would come back later and attack. Um so again, his DNA came back positive. <clears throat> they finally found their killer after all these years. Kay, to this day, is still convinced that Mark is not the guy. But this was really the first case where forensic did the opposite of what a witness testimony said. Ah. So it's another. It's a thing where, yes, her testimony is important and you know, who she identifies, but it's not always accurate. Mm-hmm. And they, although that Doug guy was super strange and weird and why would he taunt them? And why would he, I think he was just a strange dude, but it just goes to show you that sometimes witness testimonies are not, and we've heard that, that they're not a hundred percent accurate. Um, Mark was eventually convicted and sentenced to life in prison plus 25 years. And, um, like I said earlier, Kay still to this day does not think that Mark, she, she's, She's accepted it, and he is the killer, but she still is, like, scared of this Doug guy, like, doesn't, I don't know if he's still in the town or whatever, but um, she still thinks about, you know, the visions that she saw on, like, his face, and she can't get past that. So um, she has wrote a book, and I don't have it written down. But it's a book. So that's great. I should probably (laughs) do that really quickly. But that is the survival story of Kay Robinson. They didn't say if the other victim survived or not. In the Forensic oh, Files episode that it, I listened to. But okay. I I think she did. But they also did not give her name. So I couldn't okay. look it up. But well, I'm that's crazy not. that like Kay went to that Doug's house with a gun. And she said that after that. She's like, thank God. In an interview, she's like, thank God I didn't kill him. Because it would have been the wrong. Like, she's come to terms that he's not the guy. But it took her a lot, a long time to be like, how could I get this so wrong? Like, I remember looking at his face. And, and <sighs> I think there's some, like... As a victim, maybe she thought, like, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine thinking it's one person and finding out it's another person. And after nine years, this guy was on the street, so who who knows what else he did. Right. Um, but, um, oh, no internet. Shoot. Okay. Well, we'll maybe. We'll post, find it out. Yeah. We'll tell we'll you We'll get guys. back to you on that book. Stay with us. Kenny. <laughs> oh, my God, Kenny. Okay. Got some weird news. So... Uh, this lady went to the doctor for some odd symptoms, and she was urinating what? Oh. 
Um, wine. Wouldn't that mm. be great? Actually, that would be a really bad sign. I'm going to say breast milk. Danelle kind of close. She oh, was oh. urinating alcohol. I don't think it's drinkable alcohol, but she was urinating alcohol. How'd they know? So... Did it burn? I don't know. Was it red? She kept getting. Um, she had was like. Was it some, a New York sour? <laughs> she had diabetes <laughs> and some other like symptoms. And they kept going to the doctor and doing pee tests. And they're like, your alcohol content in your pee is outrageous. She's like, I don't drink. Mm. And so they like did a test on her and found out she has urinary auto brewery syndrome. I've heard of this. I've Are you kidding me? No, I've heard of it. Yeah. So basically, there's like ethanol and bacteria and yeast in your digestive system and bladder that will ferment alcohol and then you pee out alcohol holy shit so what other effects do you think it had on her like i've heard from some people that they if they don't if it doesn't come out quickly they'll actually get intoxicated without having drank anything yes because there's a story called what's wrong with aunt karen i think it is where a lady like it's this whole mystery. Like her alcohol content was out of control, but they were like, she wasn't drinking, but she like went the wrong way on a highway with a bunch of kids in her car and like killed them all. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, there was like some speculation. So when they do the toxicology, they're probably like, oh, she was drunk. Yeah. But now there's some, well, they aren't sure still, but there's some speculation that she had this like brewing thing. So dumb question. Does it show up in your blood? Like if they do do like a, if it, if it stays in your system, I think it gets absorbed okay. into your blood just like alcohol does. Yeah. I would assume so. She probably had a constant buzz. Wow. Probably nice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Just kidding. I actually I feel it like sounds awful. very it sounds really terrible, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the did this lady find a fix for it or is she uh, just gonna start her own brewery or <laughs> the last thing it said was she's on a list for a liver transplant? Oh so is that the problem? Is the liver? I don't know. I they thought the it was very medical. I couldn't understand all of it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. We understand. I saw at the end, like, liver transplant. I'm like, okay, she's alive. And Great. Kicking, I guess. And maybe but that's the solution is a new liver. Maybe it helps filter the bacteria and whatever. I wow. say open I have brewery, no idea. start pissing in cups, call it a day. Well, there is, isn't there, like, a brewery in, like, Switzerland? We've talked about this before. It was one of my weird news is yeah. with the... Uh, no, it's vagina. Vagina yeah. yeast, yeah. Yeah, they to make a beer. Do, but if that's a popular thing, couldn't she do, like... You know, a urine, bladder, urine yeast, bladder, bladder vodka, bladder, a bladder shot. I don't know. Gross, Jenny. I know I'm the one who brought it up. Now I'm grossed out. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Sip, Survive, and Repeat. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey, true crime fans. Have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. 
Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Cheers.